Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Not just from the Bible, but about the Bible, how it can impact your life. All right, well, that being said, if you have one of those Bibles, you can open up to the book of Matthew, chapter 17, verse 1 through 4. If you don't have a Bible, the verses will be on the screen. It will be on the screen. I'm reading from the NLT, New Living Translation. That's what those abbreviations mean, if you ever wondered. Um, There's no one that's better than the other. Find the one that you like the best. And so we're going to go ahead and read. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain. Somebody say, up a mountain. You're still waking up. I get it, but help me out. Somebody say, up Up. a mountain. I preach better with you. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking With Jesus. This is what theologians refer to as the transfiguration, or a less fancy way of saying the transfiguration could be transformation, or an even less fancier way to say transformation would be Super Saiyan. Yeah, if you know, you know. Jesus went Super Saiyan right here. This is how I picture him. On the Mount of Transfiguration, just ah, you know, just hair <laughs> flying up, and just if you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's a Japanese animation. Don't worry. There are some biblical references for what happened here as well. Two other times in the Bible we see Jesus or we see a transformation like this take place. The first time we see it, it's interesting. The second time we see it, it's a revelation. The first time we see it, it's interesting because it's happening in the Book of Exodus, where Moses is spending time with. Uh, God in God's presence. And he gets so close to God's presence that when God goes away back to heaven and, and Moses goes down to the people, his face is literally glowing so bright that he has to wear a mask. Come on, see, COVID back then. He has to wear a mask and, and he had to cover his face because he was so bright, people couldn't look at it. And the reason why Moses' face was shining is the same reason why the moon shines. The moon does not shine because of anything special about the moon. The moon shines because it reflects the light from the sun. Moses' face was reflecting the light of the glory of God. What's interesting in this passage is that the Bible does not say that Jesus shone like the moon. It says he shone like the... Come on, that's good. I'm preaching already. What he's saying is, because remember who else was there? Moses. What he's saying in this moment is, I am cutting the middleman out. You used to have to go through Moses to get to me, but that was just the moon. Now you can come straight to the sun. Now if you want access to me, you don't have to. De- your condition does not depend on someone else's position. You can get right to me. You know, some nights we have a full moon. Some nights we have a quarter moon. Some nights we have a half moon. And before there were street lights, it was all about the position of the moon that would determine the night, the light in the, the, light in the night. That all rhymed and I lost myself for a second. The light in the night. Every 29.5 days, you get a full moon. But every day you get a full sun. Yes. 
every day. Come on, Jesus is good every day. His faithfulness is good every day. His mercy is new every day. His love is fresh every day. He says, I'm the son. Now, that's interesting, but that's not what I want to preach about. What I want to preach about is the second time we see it in the Bible where it's not just interesting, it's a revelation. And I mean that quite literally because the second time we see it is in this book of the Bible called Revelation. In the beginning of the book of Revelation, John, who was also here in this story, is looking at Jesus, and the Bible says that Jesus' eyes lit up like fire, and his skin was like bronze, and his robe was as white as snow, which is important to the point that I want to preach today because at the same time this is happening, now keep in mind, John is in heaven having a vision while he's watching this. Now in this story back here in Matthew, we see Moses and Elijah. If you don't know who Moses and Elijah are and you're new to church or you're new to the Bible, that's okay. These guys died a long time ago and they're in heaven. So now we have Jesus, how he's supposed to look in heaven, looking like he's supposed to look in heaven on earth. And we got Moses and Elijah who were supposed to be in heaven on earth. This is literally Jesus giving Peter, James, and John a sneak peek window into heaven. This is, have you ever heard the term heaven on earth? This is that. Literally heaven on earth. And what is Peter's response to heaven on earth? Matthew 17, 4. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three tents as memorials. One for you. One for Moses and one for Elijah. What's Peter's response to being in the greatest moment of his life? To want to stay in it. I want to stay here. Because, you know, Peter wasn't nobody before Jesus. He was a fisherman, wasn't even that good. Every time you see Peter fishing in the story, he can't catch nothing. (laughs) Every time in the Bible, homeboy was not good at his job. You know, and you know he wasn't popular. He didn't have no friends. You know he didn't have no friends because he's always talking in the Bible, saying stuff that was dumb. And he's like that guy in your life, super annoying, thinks he knows everything, that you wish bad things would happen to him, but good things keep happening to him. And you're like, I hope one day a bad thing happens to him. Like, not that he dies, but like a bad thing. <laughs> That's, oh, you don't have people on? I'm just me? Okay. <laughs> It's like, I don't want nobody to die, but, you know, like a flat tire, he deserves it. You know, um, and that was Peter, man. And so Peter's in this moment with, with, with the, in heaven, his God moment, and he's like, I want to build a tent. He's like, I don't want you guys to leave. And it also said as a memorial. In other words, I want to remember this. But apparently God was not a big fan of Peter's desire. God did not like Peter's strategy Because in the next verse, we see God cut him off. What? (laughs) He cut off off his prayer. Look at at verse 5. Read it. But even as Peter spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. This is is God's nice way of saying, shut up. That was a bad idea. (laughs) Jesus, I want to build a tent. Listen, shut up. This is my son. Listen to him. That's a bad idea. Verse 6 and 7. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Jesus came over and touched them and said, get up. He said, don't be afraid. Verse 8. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. And I love verse 9. The same God that brought them up the mountain 
is the same God who does what? Brings them back down the mountain. Why did God want the three men to come down the mountain? We're not going to read it, but in the very next verse, we find out that there's a father and a son waiting at the bottom of this mountain. The story of this boy, this boy is very sick. It's actually one of the few stories that is found in every gospel, three out of the four gospels. And in each gospel, it's the same boy, but here's what's interesting about this boy's story in each gospel. In each gospel, the author adds a condition to this boy's life that we had no idea about. But when you put them all together, this is a boy who was, get this, mute, suffered from seizures, was suicidal. Every time there was water or fire, he would throw himself in it. And we find out in every gospel that he was demon-possessed and the disciples were unable to help. What Peter, James, and John were experiencing on the mountain, I'm going to get to my point right now. What Peter, James, and John were experiencing on the mountain was a great moment. It was a God moment. But isn't it ironic? Because Jesus goes down and heals that boy, and then it becomes a big thing that spreads, and it leads to Palm Sunday. It leads to, to, to Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. It's a pivotal moment. Isn't it interesting that even if the, if the disciples in Jesus had decided to stay in that moment, they would have missed their moment. Said another way, if they had decided to camp on the mountain, they would have missed their miracle. I want to speak to two types of people today. This message is for you if you are one of these two people. Number one, I want to speak to those who are at the peak of the mountain right now. Like, it wasn't always good, but it's, it's, getting, it's getting pretty good now, and you want to stay, and you want to keep things right there. Like, you was a hot mess for a long time, but you are finally getting it together. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you're, yeah, you know. Your, your, your kids stop cussing, amen, and, 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 and you know, and you, things are going good at work, and now you finally got that stimulus money, hello, and you paying off all those bills and getting out of debt. Hey, your relationship with God has never been better, and you want to stay, but what you didn't expect to discover was that once you started to get it all together, what you never expected to feel was the anxiety and the pressure of trying to keep it all together. You know it if you're there. You're like, oh, finally. No, I don't want to mess it up. No, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to mess it up. That's the first kind of person. The second kind of person I want to speak to, you are not on the mountaintop today. But you are still stuck. Stuck in what? Stuck in the memory of yesterday's mountain peak moment. Maybe a relationship that ended and you can't even imagine a person that would be better than that person. And you're stuck on the mountain could be a loved one that's passed away who meant so much to your life, a father, a child. There's no way life can ever be the same with that. It could be a business before the pandemic. Before the pandemic, you had a business. After the pandemic, you're working for somebody else. Before the pandemic, you had a good job. After the pandemic, now you got a bad job. And you used to be close to God, but right now you don't feel so close to God. Anyone who could summarize, to summarize it, who feels like in some way, shape, or form, your best days are behind you. If that's you, one of those two people, I want to give you the title of my message. This message is for you, and the title is, Don't Camp on the Mountain. Don't camp on the mountain. And this sounds bad, but I promise you it's good. Like, it was really good news when I told it to the Dream Teamer a couple months ago. This message has been in my heart for a while. One of our standards at Journey Church is we walk slowly and we see people. And as, after a service, I was walking out to my car, and I saw this dream team wrapping up cables, and, and I saw him. 
And he just looked like something was up. So I went over. I said, man, hey, how you doing? He said, good. He had rededicated his life to Christ a year ago. And for a year and all throughout the pandemic, he was serving the Lord. He had never been closer to God. And as he was wrapping up that cable, he said, Pastor, something just feels off. I don't feel as close to God as I used to feel. I used to be passionate about serving on a team. And now I don't feel as passionate about serving on a team anymore. What's wrong with me? Why am I not where I used to be? I wanted to stay there. And I had to tell him, I said, bro, nothing is wrong with you. That's life. You don't stay on the mountain in life. Like that's literally life. Like I want to show you a picture of life. Here's a picture of life. This is your pulse. And in life, this is how you know you're alive. And if you look at your pulse, there are mountains, there are valleys, and there are plateaus. If you wanted to stay in the same position your whole life, that would be called flatlining. In other words, if you're not dead, there's ups and downs. And not just in life, even when you're asleep. I've been, I have a goal this year to sleep seven to eight hours a night. And that's my goal. And I got this app called Auto Sleep. And this is a screenshot of what a typical night's sleep looks like. And I remember the first time I got my report from my phone I was so scared. I was like, what is happening to me in the middle of the night? I didn't know anything about sleep. I just assumed where it says deep, that you're supposed to stay there. Because I kept hearing all these things about deep sleep and deep sleep. But what I had to find out is that there are actually stages to sleep. It's called a REM, a rapid eye movement, a REM cycle. And there are stages of sleep that are light. And certain things happen to your body when you sleep in the light. In the, in the light stage of sleep, and certain things happen up your body when you stay in the deep stage of sleep. But you need to go up. Like, this is a good night's sleep. You need to go up and down in order to have a good night's sleep. If you were to stay too high, that wouldn't be sleeping. That would be called awake. <laughs> if you were to stay too long, low, that wouldn't be called sleeping. That would be called a coma. Yeah. <laughs> Your body wakes you up and puts you to sleep. Wakes you up and puts you to sleep. Light, deep, light, deep. It's the rhythm of life, ups and downs. Nothing is wrong with you. Write this down if you're taking notes. As much as I want to stay in the good season of my life, I cannot stay there forever. This is not a good message for some of y'all. I know you didn't come to church for this kind of preaching. You want to know how to get to the mountain. I'm telling you how to get off and not kill yourself in the process. And not get depressed in the process. And not get anxious in the process. You can't stay on the mountain because life is not meant to be lived on the mountain. Life is not meant to be lived on the mountain. Your boy is not a skier. Or a snowboarder. Or anything with elevation. But two years ago, I got invited to Breckenridge, Colorado. To go skiing and snowboarding. Did not have a good time. I was cold. I got a concussion. Snowboarding. People say, how do you know you have a concussion? Did you get the doctor? No. I said, but I hit my head and I saw colors. And I imagine that that's what a concussion is. <laughs> I had music playing in my ears with no iPods, uh, with ear- AirPods. And then, and then also, the moment I got there, I opened up this gift bag. They already scared me. They gave me this gift bag. It was like a pastor thing. And everything you expect to be in a gift bag, if you've ever received one, was there. 
uh, gum, uh, protein bar, <laughs> uh, tissues. And then there was this one object that I was like, it scared me. And it was a tank of oxygen. Have you ever seen these? They're about this big. And you're supposed to like, like you, like you, you would inhale oxygen in a tank. And I'm like, this is so dumb. I don't need this. Put it away. In the middle of the night, I wake up. I got a blaring headache. My heart is pounding. And I'm like, oxygen. <laughs> I need oxygen. I'm going through my bed trying to find this can. I'm like, <laughs> but I haven't done this since high school. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, as much oxygen as I can get. Y'all, the average, ele- the elevation, the altitude in Orlando, Florida is 82 feet above sea level. The altitude in Breckenridge is 9,600 feet above sea level. I went from Orlando to Breckenridge. It was like, what's up, everybody? <laughs> Just passed out, you know? You can't. <laughs> the mountaintop is cool. It's just hard to breathe up there. Wow, that's good. I remember when it got hard to breathe as a pastor. March 2020. Did you know that this was the week we went to online? It was this week right here. And, 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 and it affected me. Because up until that point, as a church, we were on the mountain. We had just been recognized as one of the fastest growing, 10th fastest growing church in the United States. We had just done our Don't Hold Back campaign. We had millions of dollars for a building that we didn't know was coming. We were launching a second campus, East Orlando. That was exciting. And then right on the mountain, everything shuts down. And I remember being home, uh, watching TV with my wife, thinking about the message I had to preach that Sunday, and all of a sudden my heart started to beat out of my chest. got real hard to breathe. And I was like, babe, something's happening to me. And she's like, what's happening? I was like, I don't know, but something's happening to me. And I felt like it was an anxiety attack. And I told her, I said, I've never been to therapy before, but I think I need to go. So I did. And, I, and I've been going ever since. I got an appointment tomorrow. How about you boy? And so I, 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 I was, and I went, and when I went to the therapist and explained to him what was happening, I found out as, through conversation, he goes, JJ, you struggle with perfectionism. Let me translate it for you. He said, here's what you wrestle with. You want to stay on the mountain. And, and, and the thought of being off the mountain and, and the, the pressure of trying to stay on the mountain your whole life, if you're not careful, that will kill you. You have to be okay with the valley moments of your life. Listen, if you want to jump from mountain to mountain, there's a, there's a graph for that too. Can we show the graph for jumping mountain to mountain? See all those peaks? That's the EKG of somebody who is having a heart attack. You want to go from mountain to mountain to mountain to mountain to mountain to mountain? That's cool, but it's a lot of pressure trying to stay on the mountain. It's hard to breathe trying to stay on the mountain. This is what your life looks like if, if you are a parent trying to make sure your kid gets A's all the time. This is what you look like if you're in sales and you want every sales pitch to be a sales purchase, every single one. This is what it looks like if you're a songwriter and you want every song to go platinum and you want every song to be a banger. You cannot live on the mountain. And if you try to live on the mountain, that desire to camp on the mountain will kill you. If you think about it, Jesus was killed on a mountain. At least the hill, Golgotha, 
Calvary, the place where he died, it's called the Skull Hill. And when he took his body off of that hill, it was more symbolic than just his body coming down from the hill. It was his life coming off of its peak. He had thousands of people follow him. He had disciples. He had influence. He had ministry. He had fame. And all of that was over. And they took him from the mountain to a tomb in the garden. Why is that significant? Because gardens don't grow in mountains. Gardens only grow in valleys. So they took his body off the mountain and they put him in the valley. And it was in that place, in the valley, where God decides to perform his greatest miracle of all time. The resurrection of Christ happened in the valley. What I'm trying to tell you is, I know you want to stay on the mountain, but God's greatest miracles don't happen in the mountain. God's greatest miracles happen in the valley. Embrace your valley moments. That's when the miracles happen. Because when we get on the mountain, we have a tendency to be proud. You can't help it. When you're on the mountain and you're, you're awesome, you're freaking awesome. How many people know what I'm talking about? When you're on the mountain, everything's going good, you're like, I mean, I know God. You know how you are. You know? You're like, no, it was all God. It was all God. It was all God. It's all God. Absolutely God. Definitely God. I mean, I helped. But it was all God. When you're on the mountain, you can't help but be proud. But I've learned there's a difference between being proud and being in awe. And if you want to be proud, stay on the mountain. But if you want to be in awe, come down to the valley. Because when God does a miracle on the mountain, you get half the credit. But when God does a miracle in the valley, oof, there is no way you get the credit. Can I be honest with you? Say amen. Sometimes I walk away from this pulpit a little proud. And I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be. Because I know that it wasn't me and I know that it was all God. But when I really kill it, I go, good job, JJ. That was good. That was good. And I wanted every message to be like that. And my therapist said this. He said it kind of like this. If he's watching because he watches, it's, I know you didn't say it just like this because I probably would have fired you if you had, but you said something to the effect of like, I hope you prepare a bad message soon. And I was like, how come? <laughs> he said, so you can see that it was God's power all along. When I preach a good message and I walk away, it's a little bit of pride in me. When I preach a bad message and I go to Liz and I go, I think I'm done being a pastor. And then I get a DM on my phone that someone's cousin gave their life to Christ. Listen to that message. I don't feel proud. I feel in awe. When I, when I, step, when I go over to the former Orlando Live Events building and I step on that property and I walk in, I'm not proud. I am not proud. <laughs> I am in awe because I know with the money we had and the resources we had and the people we had and the talent we had and the skill that we had, there was no way that had anything to do with that. It was all God. If you want to stay in the mountain, you're settling for proud. But if you want to be in awe, come down to the valley because in the valley is where, is where we are in awe of God. In the valley, in the valley, in the valley. Here's the second point if you're taking notes. If you expect your mountain to become your normal, then prepare for your valley to become your awful. Expect to live on the mountain. So then when anything happens that is not mountain-like, 
What happened? If I were to ask you what your mountain moment was, like in your life, like what would you say your mountain moment would be? Like shout it out at me on three, like a mountain moment. One, two, three, go ahead. India, mission trip to India. Someone might say wedding day, Freedom. right? Freedom conference. Someone might say the, the birth of my child. You know, if you were to ask Zane, my youngest son, he's seven. He's seven, right? <laughs> if you were to ask him what his mountain moment was, you know what he'd say? He would say Friday. He would say Friday was his mountain moment. You know, I don't even know what we did on Friday. But every Friday in the Vasquez house is family day. And at the end of every family day, Zane says this. He goes, Mom, Dad, he goes, today was the best day of my life. I don't even know what we did, but I know he said that. In the beginning, I used to correct him because I didn't want him to exaggerate. I don't want to raise a bunch of exaggerate. You know, Dad has problems enough with exaggerating. It's like, we've got to break that generational curse <laughs> with you. I said, I don't want to exaggerate. Bro, today's the best day of life, honestly, you know. And then the Holy Spirit had to convict me, and then I realized, you know what? He's probably telling the truth because he's seven. Like, if we think about it, he doesn't really have that much life to compare it to. So, yeah, there's a pretty good shot that that donut made today the best day of your life because you haven't lived long. Mm, But when you live long... And you collect memories. All of a sudden, you begin to compare your realities to your memories. And when the depth of the reality of your valley does not live up to the height of the recollection of your mountain, you feel disillusioned, disconnected, and disappointed. Because the more relationships you collect, the more relationships you compare. The more jobs you collect the more jobs you compare. The more churches you collect, the more churches you compare. And so Journey doesn't even have a shot because you're comparing art every Sunday to the best Sunday you ever had at your last church. Can't, Can't compete with that. Nobody can compete with the narcotic of your nostalgia. No one can. But the valleys... They can be just as good. And that's the problem. We think because it's not good, God's not in it. Therefore, if God's not in it, it's bad. We have limited to God, we have limited God as a God of the mountains. So that whenever we're not on the mountains, God's to blame or God's not here or God's not with me. And And you're boxing God in. First Kings chapter 20, verse 23 the Syrians had just lost a battle to the Israelites. And you ever play somebody in a game, you beat them, but then they come up with some whack rule that you didn't know about, and then all of a sudden, they're like, well, the only reason you beat me was because you didn't. And then they add that rule that they didn't state at the beginning, but you are so confident in your abilities that you go, okay, run it back. We'll play it with those rules. And then you still beat them? This is what's happening. The, the Syrians get smoked by the Israelites in battle. 
And, and, and now the servants want to boost up the king's confidence. And this is what they say. And the servants of the king of Assyria, even they said, the God of Israel is a God of the mountains, not a God of the valleys. Next verse. Therefore, he has prevailed against us, but if we should fight against them in the plain, verily, we shall prevail against them. He's saying that God, Yahweh, Jehovah, he rules the mountains. So we were on his territory when we fought them in the mountains. But if we come down to the valleys, surely we will defeat Yahweh. We will defeat God because that God is not a God of the valleys. So God heard the challenge. And he wakes up this prophet and he says, go, 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 go. I got a message. Go, go to the people. Verse 28. And so a man of God came near and said to the king of Israel, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is a God of the hills, but he is not a God of the valleys. Therefore, I will give all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And they encamped opposite one another seven days. Then on the seventh day, the battle was joined, and the people of Israel struck down the Syrians a hundred thousand foot soldiers in one day. I came to tell you this morning that our God is not just the God of the mountains, but he is also the God of the valleys. He is God when you are healed. He is God when you are sick. He is God when you are rich. He is God when you are poor. He is God when the miracle happens. He is God when the miracle doesn't happen. He is God in the good times and the bad. He is God when someone is born. He is God when someone passes away. He is God. He's God. And the reason why you don't see him in the valley isn't because he didn't show up in the valley. It's because you didn't show up in the valley. There's a whole saying on the internet. I don't know if you've heard it. It's called keep that same energy. Keep that same energy. Keep that same energy you had in the mountain, in the valley. When everything was going good and you were jumping during the worship service and you were speaking in tongues and you were praying and you were ministering and you were on a team, can I encourage you to keep that same energy in the valley because God is willing to fight in the valley if you are. God will put on his suit if you put on your suit. God will get dressed to battle if you get dressed to battle. But you got to keep that same energy. I know when things were going good, it was easy. Er. Now that things are not great, he can still fight. He's, he's waiting on the battlefield for you. He's like, bro, I got this. Get dressed. Let's go. I want to take this valley, which is really what I want to end. And the worship team can come up. I want to teach you today because there are a ton of YouTube videos on how to climb the mountain in life. I'm saying how to grow your followers to a million, how to grow your business to, you know, how to get a thousand likes and how, how, how to climb a mountain. But you know what? No one ever teaches you what I'm going to teach you today. I'm going to give it to you real quick. I'm going to teach you not how to climb a mountain. I'm going to teach you how to learn to walk through the valley. Real quick, real quick. Learn to walk through the valley. Psalms 23, 4. I remember this verse. This is one of my favorite verses. Even though I walk through, say it with me. Come on, say it with me. The valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know who wrote that? David. 
if there was anybody who was tempted to camp on the mountain, how many people know it was David? Because he had a mountain, literally, a mountain named Goliath. Can I just tell y'all, if I had killed Goliath, I would be talking about Goliath all the time. If I had killed Goliath, I wouldn't need to do another thing in my life. If I had killed Goliath, I'd be like, that's it. Y'all, I killed Goliath. I want this, I want this, I want that. God, I'm done. I don't want to go to the next, I'm done. But David never camped on the mountain. He always believed that God had more for him, better for him, greater for him. And one thing I love about David is he never camped in the valley either. He never stood still when things got tough or rough either. And I think he did it in three ways. Number one, he redefined the shadow. Redefined the shadow. As I walked through the valley of the shadow of what? Say it again. As I walked through the valley of the shadow of what? That's a phrase that David uses four times in Psalms. In Psalms 23, in Psalms 44, in Psalms 107, and in Psalms 107. Four times. Somebody say four times. David says shadow of death. I love this because David doesn't pretend like life is great. He realizes that death is all around him, and he walks through it. The shadow of death. But there's another phrase in Scripture that David uses the word shadow. He uses it often. And it is not called the shadow of death, but it's called the shadow of your wings. And guess how many times in Psalms he uses the shadow of your wings? In Psalm 17, in Psalms 36, in Psalms 57, and in Psalm 63. And so in other words, he, he, just as many times as he saw death, he saw God's protection. This is not just the shadow of death. This is the shadow of the thing. When you're in a valley, it's always shadows. You know why? Because next to every valley is a mountain. Some of y'all are living in the shadow of what was. You're looking at the mountain, how great life was back then. And the greatness of yesterday has cast a shadow over today. And as you're walking through the valley, you're going, there's no way life can get any better than that. There's no way I can ever do that again. And what David said, he goes, you know what? Let's pretend like that shadow is not coming from the mountain. Here's where that shadow is coming from, God. You know why? Because it was God who allowed you to climb that mountain in the first place. And so now when I see that shadow, I don't think life will never be that way again. Now when I see that shadow, I think if God did it before, he can do it again. If God brought that person in my life the first time, he can bring a new person into my life. If God helped me start that business, he'll help me start the next business. If God did it before, he can do it again because it's the same good God. It's not the shadow of death. It's the shadow of your wings. I don't look at that mountain and get afraid anymore. I look at that mountain and I get faith rising up inside of me. Number two, first is redefine the shadow. What was should encourage you to what could be. Number two, receive the lesson. He said, your rod and your staff, they come from me. Y'all know what the rod and staff is used for as a shepherd? The the staff is used to guide. It's got a little hook on it that you will hook. Y'all need to get one of those for my kids. You know what I'm saying? When they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing, be like, yeah, you know, just yoke them. Not over there, over here. It's a big old stick with a hook. That's the one you see everybody carrying the Bible plays. That's the staff. And then the rod, y'all know what the rod was for? The rod was like a club. And the rod was for legit, like, beating the sheep. Not to, like, death, but, like, hey, don't do that, you know? (laughs) So what David is saying is your instruction comforts me. 
your instruction comes. Listen, we learn about God on the mountaintop, but we learn about ourselves in the valley. And in the valley is when we see our shortcomings. In the valley is when we see who we really are. You know, because we are all just one apocalypse away from losing our minds. You know what I'm saying? When the power goes out, you're like, buying all the toilet paper. We did that. We did that, America. We did that. <laughs> and I saw things in me that I didn't even know was there. And now I'm comforted because I know if I'm in the valley, God's trying to show me something about myself. And now I get excited about this process as much as it sucks. Because why? Because I get blessed on the mountain. Write this down. But I get better in the valley. I get blessed on the mountain. No doubt. I want to be back there one day. It's good to visit. I just know I can't stay. Because if I stay, I'll stay at that level my whole life. So I get blessed on the mountain, but I get better in the valley. Here's my last one. Redefine the shadow, receive the lesson, and relate to others. You know, the problem with the mountain is that Jesus went up there to be alone. You know who can relate to your successes? Not many. You know? That's why I don't preach about my successes, because I would lose all y'all. I'd be like, yo, you started, and this amazing thing happened, and it was hard to do it, and you'd be like, that's never happened to me. So, you know why I preach the way I do, letting you know all my junk and my scars and my issues? Because people will relate more to your failures than your successes. People will relate more to your struggles than your successes. People will relate more to your bondage, to the areas in life in which you are held in bondage, than they will to the areas of life in which you are in freedom. And so I'm just saying, I don't know that God wants you to stay in the valley either, but as long as you're there, help somebody. As long as you're there, help somebody. Listen, I don't know how long you'll be a single mom for, but as long as you're there, start a small group for single moms. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how, how long you'll be sick for, but as long as you're sick, help people who are sick. Because nobody relates to your wins. It's your L's that create community. And I'm going to be honest, I'm in a good place right now. But the better my life becomes, the worse of a minister I, I get. Because pain ministers to pain. Hurt ministers to hurt. Brokenness ministers to brokenness. God's got a plan for your pain. He's got a plan for your hurt. He's got, a, I don't know how long you're going to be in the valley, but as long as you're there, find somebody. And bring them with you. Say, hey, me too. This sucks. Me too. You can't feel God's presence, me neither. Let's not feel his presence together. You depressed me too. Let's be depressed together. Hold my hand. And then something happens. Something happens. When you get enough broken people together, when you get enough hurting people together, when you get enough lonely people together, when you get enough sinners together, when you get enough addicts together, when you get enough widowers together, when you get enough single people together, something happens. Breakthrough happens. Healing happens. Hope happens. Jesus happens. God happens. The mountains happen. If you can stay in the valley together, we do it together. Do it together. We do it together. We do it together. Close your eyes. You are not alone. Let me minister to you right now. You are not alone. You are surrounded by a community of people who are broken. Surrounded by a community of people who are empty. 
surrounded by a community of people who are hurting, and yet we have faith, and there are some people in this room who are on top of the mountain. Amen. Don't stand there. But I want to talk to those who are in the valley today. I just want to tell you, you are not alone. God's got, a, God's got a message that he's flowing through you to other people. That is not the shadow of your yesterday. That is the prophecy for your tomorrow. That mountain that you climbed a year ago, there's another mountain waiting for you. Life is going to get better. There is going to be blessing. There is going to be mountains, I promise you. And I promise you, there will be valleys too. So you might as well learn how to live in them and walk through them today. Live in them and walk through them today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to speak to two people today. First person is the person who doesn't have a relationship with Christ. You are far from God this morning. You're hearing what I'm saying, but you know that there's a wall, and it is the mountain of your sin. It is the mountain of your mistakes. That's what sin is. I made some mistakes, and you feel the guilt, and you feel the shame because you're in church, and you're not supposed to be perfect if you come to church, and that's not true. Church is not a place for perfect people. It's a place for broken people. So if you came here today and you, and you got a past, I want to let you know that there is a person named Jesus who is willing to give you a fresh start take you through that valley and onto your next mountain. So all over this room, head bowed, eye closed. If that's you and you want a relationship with Christ today, on three, on three, when I say three, I want you to shoot your right hand to the sky. No one's looking because it's a private moment between you and the Lord. But I want you to raise your hand as a signal to the sign, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you in my life. I want to start fresh today all over this building. One, two, three. Right now, go ahead and raise your hand if that's you. Come on, I see that hand. Amen. I see that hand in the back. I see that hand in the corner. God's not done with you. He's just starting. You got more mountains ahead, more valleys ahead too, but we're going to get through them together. We're going to get through them together. We're going to get through them together. If that's you, keep your hand raised. Amen. I see it. Go ahead. Put your hand down. If you raise your hand, I want to pray with you today. And our church is going to pray with you today because like I said, you are not alone. We in the valley together. So let's all pray this prayer together. Journey Church worship team, come on. Father God, Father God I'm in the valley. In the valley. And there's a mountain called yesterday but I'm ready for my tomorrow I want to get through this help me get through this forgive me for my past I want to start fresh today Jesus today I make you the Lord and Savior of my life that means I want to follow you and I'm gonna let you clean me in your name I pray amen and amen come on let's give it up for the one hand Come on, on one hand we saw. I love that. I love that. I love that. Now I want to pray for those who've been tempted to camp on the mountain. The mountain of your former marriage. The mountain of your former place of employment. The mountain of your yesterday. Some of y'all are there right now. This is so good. I want to keep it together. You're not going to be able to. And that's okay. That's life. Will you worship him in the valley? Because there are two times to worship God on the mountain and in the valley. In other words, when you feel like it and when you don't. Because he don't change. He's still God. Amen? That's you. Let me pray for you. Then we'll go home. We'll sing a song. Pastor Jenny will come up. She wants to tell you something really special that you did, so don't leave. you got to hear this. But I do want to enter a moment of worship really quickly. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for those who've been tempted to set up tents on mountains. That was not your purpose for our life. You wanted us to come down the mountain because there were people waiting for us. At the bottom of that mountain, there's ministry waiting for us. At the bottom of that mountain, there's restoration waiting for us. At the bottom of that mountain, you have a plan, oh Lord. You want to do things in our lives, oh God. We've got to go, not just 
shift from glory to glory, but valley to valley. This is life. Help us not to be up and down with our ups and downs. Help us to believe and be level with you, trusting in you. Father, we believe you are the God of revival so that when we're high, we're high with you. But when we're low, Lord God, you pick us up. We trust in you. Yeah, come on, we worship you. Come on, right now, God, we invite your presence in our lives right now. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.